This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Empire. No good walk should be spoiled. We teach it what we like and who we are. And the same would be for our system. You could say, hey, when I'm doing this rotational drill, is the ball stopping the move from the slice from the right-hander? Is the ball straightening out? Yes, thumbs up. That's Brian Finnerty, CEO at V1 Sports, where technology is helping golfers improve one round at a time. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Leichstein. Brian Finnerty has been involved in various companies throughout his career, but a love of golf drew him deep into V1 Sports when they pivoted into the sport. And now the group is growing and helping golfers of all skill levels improve their games. Our guest this week is Brian Finnerty, who's the founder and CEO of Opportunity Seed Capital, a venture capital firm that specializes in sports and technology and is also the acting CEO for both V1 Sports and Galway Bay. And V1 Sports, which we'll focus on today, is a leader in video swing analysis software for golfers. Hey, Brian, how are you? I'm doing great. Good morning. All right. Tell me a little bit about V1. What do you guys do? Ooh, uh, that could take up a whole show. I'll try uh-huh. to make it quick. Uh, we're a 26-year-old company. Uh, we've been in the, the golf and a little bit in the baseball space. But essentially, we are the, the video capture and data company that if you've ever uh, looked at a golf swing that's been analyzed, circles, lines, uh, rotational force, that's our technology. So when you step into a teaching bay and a golf pro works with you, they're collecting your swing with our uh, technology and software and then sending it back to your virtual locker so you can kind of look at what did they work on, what should I be working on when I get done. And if I happen to be in Pasadena while you're in Maryland, I could capture my own swing and send it to you, and we could do a virtual lesson. <laughs> so it works in person or virtually. I can teach you nothing about a golf swing. <laughs> I could probably learn from you about a golf swing. <laughs> um, how, how did you get started in swing technology? Uh, well, like I said, the, the company's 26 years old so uh, and founded in Michigan. So I've been in Michigan the last 30 years, and I played professional soccer for uh, the first 11 there in Michigan through the 90s. And I, I came to know V1 back when they were trying to do uh, video analysis for soccer. Mm. And so I was very intrigued about the business itself and stayed connected with the founders of the company. Uh, soccer turned out to be a little bit of a different animal because of how fluid and, and all the movement in the sport. Yeah. So we kind of agreed soccer wasn't the thing and they stuck to baseball and golf, which I think was the right plan. And lo and behold, 20 plus years later, um, I had built and sold a few different companies and I just love sports tech and stayed in touch with the guys from V1 and they said, Hey, we're, we're taking on some um, investment money and we really want to grow bigger into golf and start moving towards the consumer. That really interested me. So I invested in them. And then a couple of years later, bought controlling interest of the company and helped the founder kind of move out from the company. He was kind of done after 20 years. 
And as I was writing the job description for our next CEO, the board of directors, uh, you know, I thought jokingly <laughs> said, Hey, that sounds exactly like you. That's you. <laughs> and, uh, like any idiot does, I didn't step back fast enough and almost four <laughs> years later here, I said, CEO, no, it's, it's been an awesome and fun ride. Uh, how's your, then, all right, then let's, let's test your technology. How's your game these days? You know, I will say my game is in a really good spot yeah. on wood. So, uh, yeah, I, I think I was a 9.5 when I uh, invested in V1, and now I'm down to a 5.1. All right. I'm, it probably doesn't hurt that I'm playing more golf as well. Uh, but I, I am exposed to some of the world's greatest teachers, and quite a few of them call friends these days. So I, I am not shy about asking for tips anytime I get time with these guys. So I was just down at uh, – Michael Jordan's course growth 23 and, and they're a, a significant investor in V1 and Darren May, who's the, the lead teacher there and director of instruction. I bent his ear for about two hours. <laughs> he knows firsthand what he's working with and, and uh, helped me kind of get to work on it right away, which was really nice. That's cool. Um, all right. So tell me a little bit how it works. Is it just video capture? Are there wearables involved in this? How do you capture the data to help improve a swing? Uh, great question. So there is a video component where you can capture your swing or the pro can capture your swing. That would be through V1 Golf. And then V1 Game, which is our sister component, is the tracking of you around a golf course as you play golf. Nothing to clip onto your clubs, nothing to screw in the handle, don't have to tap anything. Um, it essentially just through your phone or through your Apple Watch can follow you around a golf course and you can be as immersive with it as you want. You could tap your watch every time you hit a shot and that would essentially tell it, yeah, I hit driver, seven iron wedge, whatever. Or after the round, I can just say, hey, I made, I shot 78 today and I made, you know, on each hole, I made a par with two putts, a par with one putt. And through the algorithms, it starts to learn how far you hit the ball, where you hit it, and then it makes adjustments by picking your clubs for you. Mm. So quite frankly, you get done with the round and much like the tour pros have, shot link, uh, it'll tell you how many putts you had, how many strokes gained and lost to whatever you think par is, so uh, as far as a score. So if I'm a five handicap and I want to be a three, uh, I'd pick three as my handicap goal, and it would tell me how many strokes I gained or lost towards being a three handicap. And then that all kind of, again, through AI kind of learns and goes. And then it, the output to it is, okay, what do I go practice? And that's kind of our idea is that only 15% of the market takes lessons in any one given year. So out of 30 million golfers, roughly four and a half or 5 million, at least about 25 million people who are out there still loving the game of golf, but are searching other places for how do I get better? And that's kind of the version of V1 game that says, let us at least hand you a practice session. So huh. you know what to practice that can affect your overall enjoyability in the game. So that's interesting because, you know, I, I've taken golf lessons in, in the past pre children and, um, and, and, and they seem to be, I mean, all encompassing, you know, they want to do everything for you. And it sounds like your technology is starting to find a way to pinpoint where the actual necessity is for a lesson. Is that fair to characterize it? It is. Um, and, and again, we're, we're not sort of reinventing the wheel here. I think if you look at any teaching, whether it's in the classroom or certainly coaching out on the sports field, no coach after a game. Um, and again, I'm going to leverage my experience in pro soccer. The coach doesn't come back to the team on Monday after a tough loss and say, hey guys, we're going to practice everything today. All right. They're going to break down the video and say, hey, we really gave up. Defensively, we gave up some silly mistakes in 1v1 defending, so we're going to work there. And in our team attack going forward, we were really weak on the right side. That's been happening for a century. And so in golf, we're saying the same thing. This sort of practice everything approach 
quite frankly, isn't making a difference difference in the world's handicap score, and that's what golf's been telling us for so long. We're kind of just saying, let's go back to what we know works in, in a team environment, and when we apply it to golfing, we've seen some really, really big strides from tour-level level players to 25 handicaps that when you specifically practice, and again, you've got to measure what you're going to practice, you do get better. And so we say that if you give us a year and follow the plan, we'll lower your handicap by 25% or you oh. get your money back. It's just that simple. Mm. Um, can the technology, because golf is, it, it's such a unique situation with so many moving parts going at the same time. Can your technology pinpoint it's your wrist, it's your backswing, it's your feet. Can it, can it do that? Not today. And so that's the part where we'd say, once you get that technical about the issues of your game, you should see a professional, right? That's, that's the time to go get in front of somebody. I would tell you we're probably less than a year away from being able to use your camera to capture you as an avatar and to start to pinpoint those things. Okay. We know how they break down. And there's plenty of features, you know, 25,000 of them across the planet that have different versions of why they think things happen. And so we know we can capture an avatar through vision learning. And we also know that we can, we can see where you are in space and time, whether it's in front of a pro, through video capture, or again, through an avatar. So we believe we're pretty close to it. I'd say today it's still go get in front of a pro, but in the not so distant future, um, you're gonna be able to look at yourself as a golf swing get the diagnosis. Yeah. You got to turn your right foot in a little bit, Brian. Yeah. And your, you know, your hips just don't rotate at impact. It'll pick that up. So yeah, we're, we're close. Implementation of that obviously is a whole different thing too, because someone could tell me this if they don't show it to me, you know, so I, I still write human interaction and actual professionals guiding you along the way seem to still matter. But that is interesting that it might get to the point where we can diagnose the hitch in your swing and attempt to fix it virtually. Yeah, I think it's going to be both and um, not to stretch too far. But if you think about Pandora or Spotify, if I really do a lot of thumbs up, I like the song, thumbs down, I don't. It also knows where I'm at. So, you know, whether I'm working out at CrossFit or I'm out on a golf course, those are two different places and it knows where I am. Oddly enough, it knows the music to play when I'm at CrossFit or when I'm at a golf course. And so we teach it what we like and who we are. And the same would be for our system. You could say, hey, when I'm doing this rotational drill, is the ball stopping the move from, which is a slice from the right-hander, is the ball straightening out? Yes, thumbs up. Did that content we served you help in the process? Thumbs up. Oh, no, thumbs down. I really didn't improve at all. Okay, great. We're going to serve you different content. So through all of that learning, you know, AI is an overused term, but through all of that, it does learn what language I like. Do I like a male or female instructor? Do I do better in person or with video? Um, you know, we've got 17,000 pros on our, on our platform. We probably have over a million pieces of content over the 20 plus years that have already been curated. So much like that playlist on Pandora, we've got a lot of options we can serve you. And again, I don't think we're that far away from saying, you just tell us what's working and ultimately how that ball is going. And by the way, we have launch monitors and tracking devices that also tell us where the golf ball is literally going. So when you use those devices and start hitting golf balls and we can see you in real time, um, again, I, I don't think this is 15 years in the future. I think this is a year or two we're going to be saying, yeah, if you just want to go on a self-guided tour of getting better at golf, Without getting in front of a pro, this is going to be as good as it gets. 
But we are talking about a segmentation of the population that already plays, already knows what you're talking about, want to get better, know that that's hard to do, but can potentially use your technology to do so, which is valuable to them. How do you view novices or beginners in golf and try to introduce technology like this to try to just make a very hard game, but very fun game, easier for them? Um, I would say, and this is going to sound overly simplistic, but I think gamification is the easiest path. So if we take each of those products that I was talking about with V1 Game and V1 Golf, even in their current state, let alone future iterations where we can see you in space and time, if I know through V1 Game that, look, I, I, I play three times a year and I just go to, to Top Golf twice and I play in a company outing once. Yeah. Somebody says, well, if I do go play nine holes with my buddies, I at least want to know what's going on. Great, just use V1 Game and passively track what you do. Now, would you like to get better? Perfect. Go out on the practice range and hit a bucket of 25 balls. Again, thumbs up, thumbs down. You're gamifying it. Once you hit three of them straight at the 125 target, you're going to click essentially job well done, and you're going to get a badge. You've made it past the three in a row mark. For a person with a five handicap, that feels like a warm-up. For a person who hasn't really been around golf, that feels like a major accomplishment. Yes, it does. And again, it's, <laughs> it's the... It's the, oh, damn it, I got two in a row and I shanked the third one. Okay, start over. Um, what I've done, you know, in that simple example is we, we take away the idea that it's the score that you're going to make. That's not it at all. If you can hit the ball at 125 yards within 60 feet of that pin, you're going to score better. We know that's the outcome. But in the meantime, can I make it fun that you're trying to hit that target and getting points for doing it? If the answer is yes, we're probably accomplish, accomplishing the same thing, yeah. right? Yeah, so. it, it it's all it's very interesting. It's really cool. Um, before I let you go, since you are investing in other sectors of sports and technology, and that's broadly what we do here, um, I'm just curious, what else is interesting you right now in the marketplace? What technologies are you looking at? Uh, pressure is a really, really uh, interesting component, whether that's rotational force under our feet, the pressure we apply to a baseball bat, a tennis racket, a golf club at the grip um, oh. level. Um, we do know that pressure, and, and without going too deep here, that can also be between our ears, which is measurable, whether how we breathe or how we think. All those elements of pressure affect us as humans and then ultimately affect us as athletes. Again, sport agnostic. So I'm very, very interested in how pressure, both physical, gravitational pressure, physical pressure with grip or hand, and then what we're thinking, um, I think there's some very, very big gains to be made in that area as we understand the relationship between that. Because we know that if I grip the golf club or the baseball bat tighter, the pressure under my feet changes. And most people are like, are you sure? We Mathematically and scientifically, we know that it's true. So if that's already happening, what was going on between my ears that made me grip the, the golf club tighter? Most likely it's going to be, oh, you've got to carry over water oh, you're on the 18th hole and you're ahead by one stroke. Your buddies are razzing you in the background. You don't want to shank it, whatever that might be. <laughs> right. It's all related. So I'm not saying we have the answer to it, but I am very, very interested in pressure, uh, both in sport application, rehab application, if we look at coming back from injuries, and then prehab. What can we do with pressure in any of those areas to maybe stop some of these things? Um, and then you can go way further out and say, how about concussion protocol? Kids coming back to play not too fast, right? So we know that pressure and how they balance is affected and measurable. But yeah, that's a, 
Sorry, I could go deep there. I'm really, no, really that, in that. I'm very interested in that too. We've talked to others who talk about trying to quantify either being in the zone or being clutch is what I think you're talking about. And if you solve that, but I think we all know not everybody can be clutch. That's impossible. Like, how are we going to have a world elite? That's an impossibility. So, it, but it's an interesting, it's certainly an interesting study habit to try to figure out what is yeah, it, our, right? Right. Our job as athletes, I think, is to find how do you tip the scales most of the time in your favor? And any high-performing athlete will tell you it's the practice that you do that's focused on what your outcome. And so if we look at that and say just that middle point, you know, MJ's version is practice should always be harder than the game. And so if we take that and we start with pressure and balance, those are controllable elements. They are. If you watch any really high-level athlete take basketball at the free-throw line, they don't just bounce it any which way, hold their breath and shoot. You'll see three dribbles with the left hand, one with the right, a deep breath, center, shoot. Mm-hmm. It, 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 you can see it physically happen. And that, that happened in practice a certain number of times. And so we know was the pressure on the balls of the feet of the heels at that time. When Bryson DeChambeau wants to rip a 400-yard drive, he has a very, very specific balance pattern in his feet. Because he knows. And, he, and if he's hitting at 75 yards, it's a different balance pattern. So you can set yourself up to be in the zone. It never works out perfectly. But you can tip the scales in your favor when you start to look at, again, starting with pressure under the feet to pressure between the ears. Mm. Um, there are elements of that that are through pre-shot routines, through your breathing patterns, whatever. They are controllable. So yeah. fascinating. Yeah, it is fascinating. Um, but I have spent my entire life living the everyone wants to be like Mike but there's only one Mike. <laughs> <laughs> He's the goat for a reason. He is the goat uh, for a, Somebody a, has to be the goat of, for a reason. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, you know, it's, it's God-given talent for yeah. sure, but uh, no one would ever say whether you've watched uh, the documentaries or spent time around him. He is competitive, and he does not take it for granted that practice matters. Yeah. Right? And so I think that's, that's a, he's a great partner to have and a great driving force at the executive level to say, guys, we know there's better answers here. Let's keep inventing. And as a CEO and visionary of our company, I, I couldn't be happier. Right? It's, you can hear it in my voice. It makes going to work every day a, a dream, which is awesome. Brian Fitterty is the founder and CEO of Opportunity Seed Capital. He's also the acting CEO for V1 Sports. Thanks so much for joining us, Brian. Oh, thanks, Bram. Really appreciate it. On the next Future Sport Podcast, Slinger was a tennis hardware company when they decided to pivot. One of these things in creating a new brand in tennis, which is not easy to do, but you know we've done it in a way that I think we've uh, brought along our consumers with us. And I have to say that I, you know, in all my years in tennis and involved with many different brands, the Slinger consumers are really, um, you know, evangelists for the product. I mean, it's incredible. They help each other. They, you know, solve problems for each other. They upload videos, training videos, and things like that. But, That's Mike Bellardi, CEO of Slinger, who is transitioning a group famous for a portable practice machine to become a tech-forward data collection company. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein.